My dear listeners, I hope today is going amazing for you. Join me on my podcast as I share stories of people just like you who made bold decisions in their lives and in turn, they live their dreams. As they say, it's up to you to make it happen. This show is sponsored by BioMental, all natural nutritional supplements for your daily needs. Always stay healthy, strong and focused, and the rest will follow. To learn more, go to biomental.org. Hello everyone, today we're meeting Steve Feldman. He's the CEO of Fenberg Consulting, also recovery addicts or specialist and also trained interventionist. Hello, Steve. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. So let's start a conversation by diving into your journey of becoming the person you are today. Uh, What led you to discover your true passion in life? How did it start for you? Well, that's the, that is certainly an open-ended question, but I will say that the you know in working backwards, I am in the field today of really about helping people, and it has become a passion to be able to work with individuals and their families to change the path that they're going on. In many cases, you know, I get to meet people when they're in crisis and when they're in really challenging situations and the opportunity to be able to interrupt that and and create a new path of of hope and healing and creating some peace of mind is definitely a passion. And how I really found this is that I have my own journey, you know, um, without going too too deep into it. um, I, in April of 1992, I put down drugs and alcohol and um, started working a, a program of recovery and have been sober from drugs and alcohol since. And that has not been a straight line. You know, I have, I have recognized that um, there are all kinds of behaviors and, and substances that can help address the pain and suffering that I can say I was going through that I didn't know that's what I was doing, but using those different things to avoid the the discomfort of what I was feeling. And um, along the way, I really learned about uh, other ways to, to feel better. And that came in the form of working a program that came in the form of therapy that came in the form of getting treatment. And it came in the form of really being honest and being willing to be vulnerable, you know, even in a form like this to talk about the fact that, you know, I made really, really bad decisions. And those bad decisions hurt myself and hurt those around me. And, and you know, this lifetime is, it allows us an opportunity to redeem ourselves and, and to improve and to get better. And being able to help um people with that path is really a is really a passion 
you know, I I have no problem being able to be with somebody about letting them know that something is possible different than what they have because I felt hopeless for a long time. And, and I think that hopeless wants to be alone. And I think hopeless wants to push other people away and isolate. And hopeful comes with connection with others. So that's a, that's a little bit. Wow. Yeah, you struggled uh, in your own journey, overcoming certain challenges in your life. But you found the other way when you start taking that responsibility that you are the one creating your life and you are the one who's going to change. If anything that we have right now, we kind of like not satisfied with it, we have to realize we have the power of choice. And once we start making those decisions for ourselves, that's where we see change. But a lot of times people um, who are struggling with addictions, they don't see that hope. Like you just mentioned, for you to be hopeful, you need to, uh, then you connect with others. But people feel like they are alone going through that and nobody would understand them. Nobody would uh, connect with them. And they feel isolated and alone going through those type of struggles. But there are different resources available for them. And uh, one of those resources is your um, company, Fanberg Consulting, right? And if you can just elaborate more on what exactly you do and how you help others and how they can connect with you and um, what can you provide them in terms of resources to help change their life. Yeah, you know, that's, thank you. Um, really, our main goal as a company is to be able to uh, let the the uh, the market, you know, know about what what it is that we do. And it best really can be described as a company that provides guidance along a continuum of uh, of struggles that that families and individuals might have. So it could be somebody that is in the throes of of the deepest, darkest part of addiction, or it could be anywhere along the continuum of recovery. And basically what our company does, it can be best described as a case management company that provides intervention, case management, and coaching. And really what that means is that people come to us because they need help and they don't know what to do, where to turn, or what the right decision is to make. And sometimes there's people in a family that want, want to help another one in the family that's struggling, and that other one might not be willing. And in all cases, really what we do is we, we create a space that allows us to, to learn about the family, the family system, the person of concern, and we gain information through a really thorough type of assessment. And once we complete that assessment, we're able to meet as a team. We have um, uh, clinicians, we have coaches, we have medical personnel, nurses that meet together as a team to create recommendations. 
those recommendations are going to be um, a plan for recovery, which could include the level of care, maybe residential treatment, maybe um, intensive outpatient treatment. <clears throat> it could be outpatient treatment supported by coaching and and uh, and, and monitoring through drug testing. It, does, it depends on the situation. So we make a level of care recommendation. And with that level of care recommendation, there's going to be providers that will also recommend that fit with the particular individual and family. And then there's also a recommendation of the strategy. How do we get the person of concern, that loved one that's struggling, to accept? and 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 want to and want to move forward. And in many cases, there's a lot of coaching with the family to get the family on the right page, on the same page, to be able to help communicate with and approach that person in a really loving and dignified way that really gets that yes. So we assess, we make recommendations, and then we help implement the plan and and then manage, the plan by providing ongoing coaching and support. Yeah, that's a lot of resources available under one company. And for those who don't know where to start, it would be a great way to uh, just connect and have that consultation and see how they can move forward. And you just mentioned uh, word intervention. So a lot of people who struggle and they kind of still in that negative thinking pattern and they don't recognize what's going on they don't see it as a problem they don't accept it as a problem that's where it's uh very hard you know to kind of help that person if that person don't see it as a problem what are usually the approach to this type of situation to kind of um uh, you know, let let that person know there's something going on and make them focus on that. Yeah, you know, there's there's really uh, a, a few different ways depending on what the situation is. But generally, what we want to look at is that that person that is struggling with substance use or addiction is generally in relationship with others that are helping to enable them to continue that behavior. And when, when we are able to meet and talk with those people, we can identify what those types of behaviors are because somebody that's in the active addiction process is typically going to say they don't have a problem and they're not gonna wanna stop on their own because they're being driven by addiction. Addiction in a way has its own personality, it's its own entity. And when we recognize that there are things that are happening like providing money or making excuses or handling responsibilities that are otherwise their responsibility, we allow that to continue. So the first really thing that needs to be looked at is, is the system that's allowing the addiction to continue. And being able to get educated on what it is to understand enabling behavior and how to best stop that. Because that's really the, the, the key to getting this process started. 
And in many cases, you know, something really ends up in a more formal type intervention. And the way that somebody can really see what's going on so that it can be reflected to them mm -hmm. is in a non-threatening, loving, and dignified way. You know, part of what addiction does is it creates chaos. And there's fear and there's anger and there's volatility in many cases around this. What we want to be able to do is we want to be able to look at it from a calm place and really communicate around what is truly happening. And what's truly happening is there's people that care about the person that's struggling. They have many cases, <clears throat> long time, deep loving relationships, family members, close mm -hmm. friends, spouses. And they get to share about how they feel about that person. They also can directly address the fact that addiction or alcoholism is not their fault. It is a medical condition and it needs help just like anything else. And it's re really reframing this from being some kind of weakness or failing to something that requires help. And then it really goes on to talk about and maybe provide some examples of what their behavior was that was so concerning and so frightening. So not in a, a blaming type, <clears throat> excuse me, blaming type way, but in a way that when, when you showed up um, really drunk and I knew that you were driving, it scared me because I know that you wouldn't make a decision to endanger other people or yourself. And you provide, in many cases, a list of what are some of the behaviors and things that have done that can show them that there's really something that's a problem, not in a blaming way. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, you want to ask them to accept some form of help. And that form of help is when you have this conversation is really already planned out. The plan for help would include what the treatment is, when it's going to start, and how they're going to get there, and all the arrangements figured out. And ultimately, it's a really nice ask. Will you accept the help that's being offered today? So it's a firm, direct, and loving approach. Uh, that's important to approach in a way that we are not blaming that person, but kind of separating that from who that person is. Because sometimes people feel like they define by those actions that they made in the past, those choices. And right now, maybe they blame themselves and what's happening deeply inside of them. And they cannot admit and they very feel like shame and blame around that issue. And it's hard for them to speak up. But when we see that person beyond that mask or what's happening that's important to become uh to connect on that loving um you know way because that's where you see that um there is hope and there is uh, another way of living and you offering that type of help to that person and showing that it's possible for you to overcome this and i'm gonna help you in that process and here is the plan and let's do it together 
you don't have to continue living this way. It's not who you are. Yeah, you're 100% right. Absolutely. And being able to separate the difference between what my behaviors are and who I am as a person is the really kind of the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something wrong and shame is there's something wrong with me. Right, and we need to, um, I think every one of us needs to connect to ourselves in a more deeper way and prioritize our own mental and physical health and know that um, we can provide ourselves that compassion and self-love in terms of different ways of caring about who we are. And we're here for a purpose. It's not a mistake that you're here right now in this present moment. Every one of us has unique gifts to share with others, have a purpose to serve. And only if we allow ourselves to go to this direction, that's where we find how we can apply those skills. But sometimes we preventing ourselves to go further with, you know, either uh, entertaining certain negative thinking or, you know, going into addiction. But when we're on the other side of it, when we overcome it, we see the light. So I feel like all of those type of um, experiences provide us lessons to learn from and see the other side of it. Don't you think so? Yeah, and, and really what you're describing is that every behavior that is improves our our own self-care and our own self-esteem is like a deposit into a cup mm -hmm. and everything that we do either is a deposit into the recovery cup the self-care and self-esteem cup or a deposit into um, bad decisions uh, bad thinking and and non-recovery and what happens is the more that gets deposited into that cup of recovery the stronger our recovery foundation is, the better we feel, and the more able to take on things that we want to accomplish in our life. It really builds the foundation for it. And the, the simplicity of recovery is just doing a little bit of the right thing consistently over and over again. And that right thing is every time we do that, fills up that cup and uh in terms of doing the right thing i feel like we have to start with uh, integrating certain practices on a daily basis in order to shift our focus in the right direction what would you think uh i would say two three things that come to your mind that you uh practice yourself and you see the benefits of it so mindfulness comes to mind first and for me that practice is is most mornings maybe five out of seven mornings um, I'll find a space that's quiet uh, before I really get the day started and spend 10 minutes with just following my breath maybe the breath is a little bit deeper on the in inhale and a little bit deeper on the exhale noticing my thoughts and trying to bring my thoughts back to the present moment there's all kinds of mindfulness techniques and all kinds of meditation practices. That, that's one 
that seems to work well for me. And, and the other is, is the yoga practice, you know, breath and movement and gaze. And really both of these things are about narrowing uh, time to the focus to the present moment. And they both really help calm the nervous system down. So mindfulness and yoga, I think is a great one. Physical activity is also, I, I believe, the, one of the greatest things for recovery. I, I love to um, get some type of cardio in and maybe some weight resistance. I like to bike ride or uh, swim, run. You know, I don't run as much. It's kind of hard, getting harder and harder on the body, but really getting that heartbeat going and, and, and that cardiovascular health, I think, is so good for our mental health. So mindfulness, meditation, and physical activity, and then reflection, self-reflection, whether it's through therapy or through uh, mutual support groups or through some type of religious spiritual connection or all of the above, I think is another important aspect. And, and then um, giving back service. I think those four really are great foundations to a strong recovery definitely we have um to find this mind body connection and bring ourselves to the place where we feel good we don't feel any stress or fear or anxiety and i know it's hard to do but with taking one step at a time but doing it consistently every single day that's where you find the you know compound effect of it you will see yourself being in a different place a year from today but you have to have faith and uh, have that um, commitment to the process of recovery and knowing that it's possible for you too there are plenty of people who went through the same thing as you did and if you see themselves being on the other side that is an evidence for you that is possible and you mentioned gratitude also. It's, I think it's important for us to just acknowledge being grateful for what we have right now and um, knowing that, um, you know, we're the one creating our own experiences and we can choose at any moment of time and we have the power of choice and we can change. And with being grateful, having uh, all the tools available to us at this single moment, we find ourselves being open to opportunities that come our way, people that support us. And then we see our life change. So it's really about the mindset, how we look at life, the attitude towards other people as well, because we have to be mindful how we interact with others. They also go on through their own journey and we don't know what's happening in their life. We don't need to be judgmental towards others, but really compassionate. And I feel like it's a practice that we are doing every single day, but that's about our way of being in the end. And that becomes who we are. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a great point is that it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. And in a way, addiction is looking for the instant answer and instant fix. And the recovery from addiction is something that takes a while to achieve.
achieve. And being able to, for a period of time, whether it's a week, a day, a month, six months, or a year, do something consistently without feeling the immediate results. When you continue to do that without the results is really faith. And doing the work and having faith, it will be rewarded. You know, this, this peace and serenity that is available in recovery isn't something we see coming, like it's a day away or a week away. It more is an experience that happens and we look back and it's like, wow, it was not easy to get here, but this particular day or moment is really filled with, with something sweet. And it, it doesn't happen instantaneously. You know, it could be said that addiction is the, the, the nectar in the beginning that becomes the poison in the end. And recovery is the poison in the beginning that becomes the nectar in the end. And uh, again, we have to give ourselves time, as much time as we need, not be at rush, but knowing that with us taking those steps, we can make it and it is possible. And there are people who are willing to help us and they support us in our decision. If only we make that decision for ourselves to get better. Because first of all, we have to focus on our own well-being. Before we can start giving to others, we have to give to ourselves. And we have to honor ourselves and care about ourselves. And again, that could ripple out in our interaction with others as well. So you're not just doing it for you, but in larger scale, you're doing it for everyone involved in your life. And your life and the life of others just going to get better. Totally. It, you know, it, it is that saying when you get on a plane and they come on and they say, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, it's not being selfish. Yeah. It's not being selfish, but it's really uh, showing yourself that self-love and care because nobody would care about you like yourself. And you have to be the one making that choice. And yes, people will support you, but if you're not gonna start with making that decision, nothing will change. In the end of the day, you are the one who are uh, making that decision for yourself and moving forward. And uh, that would also require your courage because a lot of times we're feeling scared, insecure, not knowing what to do, lost. And it takes courage to really be honest with yourself, look at what you have right now, how are you feeling right now, and who are you being right now, and face all of those fears. And once you start facing them, they're going to fade away eventually, because mostly fear is an illusion that you created in your mind. But maybe you came to the point where it took over your life but you still have uh, power to change it. Doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, how long you are in that addiction process. At any point of time, you can just stop and change your life. So true, so true. Yeah, and um, if people wanted to connect with you, how they can find you online? 
So the uh, website of our company is feinbergcare.com. That's F-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-C-A-R-E.com. And um, great information on our, on our website. And anybody that is interested in having a conversation, the contact numbers on the, on the website, and, and we'd be happy to, you know, happy to talk about how we can help. Yes, I also include in the show notes as well. And in closing, what would you say to those who are still uh, considering and going through that process and they feel that they are alone and nobody would understand them? What would be the thought for today for them to really think about it more deeply and, you know, make that decision for themselves? Really, that there is no depth that somebody can be at that they can't recover from. And reaching out and asking for help and admitting that they can't do it alone is one of the most powerful things that somebody can do. And the in, in short, your the answer to your question is take action. The disease of addiction wants loved ones and family members to not do something and hold on and wait. And for that person that's in that place, it's the same. It's somehow trying to convince us that it's not as bad as it is and you don't need to do anything about it. It's recognizing that that's part of the condition and taking action no matter what. Thank you so much for your thoughts and wisdom. And it was a pleasure talking with you. Hope you yeah, know. you as well. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow my show and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. To check out Intern Store, go to internpodcast.com. Stay tuned.